The Principles of Mindfulness. Mindfulness has been a buzzword for quite some time now. There are entire generations of younger folks who have grown up with it as part of the vocabulary. Yet to some others, it may be a new phenomenon. Maybe it's something they have been practicing their whole life and never knew there was a special name for it. Mindfulness is here to stay, and I, for one, am very grateful for that, especially at this time in our human history. Mindfulness can be defined as the awareness that arises by paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. And then there's a little clause just recently added, as if your life depends on it, because it does. That is the working definition of John Kabat-Zinn, who might be defined as the modern-day founder, founder of mindfulness. The ideogram for mindfulness is the image of the unity of the mind and heart under the protection of this present moment. Sometimes mindfulness is referred to as heartfulness. John Kabat-Zinn speaks about mindfulness in his very first book called The Full Catastrophe Living, Using the Wisdom of Your Body and Mind to Face Stress, Pain, and Illness. It was published in 1990. I find it curious that it would be titled Full Catastrophe Living. It's almost prophetic for what we're going through right now. But well before this present pandemic, he recognized that human nature doesn't really change much. The full catastrophe in the book's title is in reference to Zorba the Greek's response to life as a full catastrophe. Zinn says that Zorba's response, and I quote, embodies a supreme appreciation for the richness of life in the inevitability of all its dilemmas, sorrows, tragedies, and ironies. His way to do this is to dance in the gale of the full catastrophe, to celebrate life, to laugh with it, and at himself, even in the face of personal failure and defeat. In doing so, he is never weighed down for long, never ultimately defeated either by the world or by his own considerable folly. Zen goes on to say something about his own personal feelings about the full catastrophe. And he says, I have always, I have always felt that that phrase captures something positive about the human spirit's ability to come to grips with what is most difficult in life and find within it room to grow 
both in strength and in wisdom. For him, facing the full catastrophe means finding and coming to terms with what is most human in everyone. He believes there is not one person on the planet who does not have his or her own version of their own full catastrophe. So we find ourselves in the midst of an unprecedented pandemic, something that I believe would certainly qualify as a full catastrophe. Along with the recommendations of the health authorities, it is helpful to be able to refer to some principal guidelines for survival and civil conduct. I believe the principles of mindfulness practices as taught in the mindfulness courses, can provide those parameters that will literally contribute to saving your life and of those you love. I know that sounds pretty dramatic, but these are very interesting times that call for dramatic action. So what are these attitudinal pillars? Zinn calls them attitudes of meditative awareness. But I like to think of them as virtues. I know that may have a religious overtone. But when you try cultivating these qualities, you might agree with me. They're not easy work. It takes a sense of develop, uh, I'm sorry, it takes a sense of devotional commitment and a good deal of discipline. Practicing mindfulness can be a full-time job, and that, my friends, requires much practice and a completely new mindset. So I begin by listing and explaining them, not necessarily in order of importance, but in the order listed in Zinn's book. He starts with number one, non-judging. It's easy to confirm that we are quick to judge and have an opinion on everything, often according to whether it has any value to us. Does it fall in the category of good or bad, positive, negative, beautiful, ugly? Do I like it? Do I dislike it? Mindfulness asks us to suspend this labeling and to simply Observe neutrally, objectively, what is happening in the present moment. Try to be objective. As New Yorkers, are we judging our governor's actions? How about the way our friends and our neighbors are behaving at this time? Do we have judgments on that? Number two, patience. Allowing things and people to develop in their own time. Especially with this pandemic, it is unfolding before our eyes daily. And we, be, we are being told that this is going to go on for, for some time. So patience is the needed virtue for us to ride it out over the long run. But it's also helpful to be patient with ourselves. 
we've probably never been sheltered in place before. We don't really know how to act or how patient we can be with this whole process. Number three, beginner's mind slash curiosity. Try to see things and people as if for the first time. Being curious about it all and also seeing the wonder in it. Imagine how a baby or a young child experiences something. What is this? How does it work? What would happen if I do this? Or how would I respond if I did this in a different way? And you might ask yourself, how am I supposed to act during this time? I've never been asked to do this before. Hmm, how curious. Well, I just discovered that I have a natural talent for the 500-piece jigsaw puzzles. And I know for certain that mindfulness is at work here in a very big way. Number four, trust. Develop confidence in yourself, in your heart's tuition, and in your innate abilities. Learn to get comfortable with uncertainty and the unknown. This will go a very long way in not fearing the future, but in trusting yourself to deal with whatever comes as it comes up. As you cultivate this quality in yourself, you will gradually come to trust others and see the goodness in them also. And on a practical level, we need to trust the health officials and legislatures who are devising a way to work us all through this health crisis. Number five, non-striving. There's a cartoon that shows a student meditating with this teacher. After five minutes, the student asks, what comes next? The teacher, nothing, this is it. This cartoon embodies the essence of mindfulness and the attitude of recognizing that not every activity needs to be goal-directed. We don't have to be accomplishing something every minute of the day. Mindfulness helps us foster a sense of being versus always being busy. This is perhaps the most difficult attitude because it might feel un-American. We are a nation of doers, go-getters. It's what has, it, it is what has made us into the great nation that we are today, and it's very necessary. However, there can also be times when we can learn to be still and consider that as doing something. Another cartoon illustrates this in a different way, where the teacher admonishes the student who's racing around. Don't just do something, sit here, as he points to the meditation cushion. 
Number six, acceptance. This doesn't mean you have to be passive in agreeing or to like what is happening in the present moment. But it does mean that you should accept the reality of what is happening simply because it's truly happening. Mindfulness asks you to resist the temptation to fix, to fix things to your liking or trying to control everything. It also allows things to be just as they are. This applies to our thoughts and our feelings. To be receptive to what is happening for you right now. To just let it be what it is. Last one, number seven, letting go. You might think of this as being more flexible, adaptable in body and mind. Keeping the boundaries elastic. Going with the flow of things as they unfold. It also refers to releasing past events and thoughts and feelings. Stopping your hold on these things that no longer benefit you, but only continue to cause more suffering and stress. This attitude is also referred to as non-attachment, non-identification. Although it's not listed as one of the seven foundational attitudes, I always like to include the quality of impermanence. How everything and everyone changes. Nothing or no one lasts forever. It's all transient and will pass. This is so important <clears throat> This is so important to remember. When a challenging event, thought, or feeling arises, the only thing that doesn't change is the eternal now. Now is the only time we can be sure of. That's why mindfulness is so valuable. It teaches us to live in that moment and to be open to all the possibilities it offers us. In closing, I would like you to ponder these Mindful principles. Do you think they're worth incorporating into your life? Perhaps by starting with just one, you can find some value. And you might just agree with me that they are virtues. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy and at peace. Remember, being mindful matters. Be well.